0: Grab your popcorn and snacks, find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Hey, 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 welcome to tonight's show too many buttons tonight for me, man. I've had the power go out twice already today. It must be the storm. Anyway, I want to welcome everybody to the show. We got a great guest lined up tonight. Wow, you know we got three sleeps and it's Christmas. Three sleeps and the big guy gets the you know gets to circle everything you know and, and, and make his deliveries. Incredible It went so fast. Never never slow enough for me. I have my Christ, my my main Christmas tree I, I'm gonna admit this publicly. my main Christmas tree is up all year. And that's in honor of my mother because she really loved Christmas, so I decided to leave one tree up all year, and then I have a second tree. I have my Aloha tree, and that's uh, my Hawaiian, you know, my obviously my Hawaiian tree with uh, Hawaiian ornament, Hawaiian Santas, and everything else on there. And I kind of held off put the Aloha tree up because of what was going on with my dog, you know. So once that issue got settled, I decided to go ahead and put that up. So that's only gone up the last couple of days. My village, I'm doing that tonight. I mean, I've been I've been late on everything. But anyway, I want to welcome everybody here. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour or so, or thereabouts. I am the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. We're actually a pretty big team. Um, We have uh, members up and down the state, and we're about 35 strong here in California. But not in addition to that, we're in Nevada, Oregon, Washington, and Hawaii. I think I got everybody. Nevada, Oregon, Washington, and Hawaii. Yeah. And uh, so we're a fairly big team. We're nonprofit, so we don't charge for our services or anything like that. Uh, but uh, we just love to help people with their paranormal issues, you know, whether it's paranormal, you know, to go out there and figure out whether it's paranormal or not, to put, to put it bluntly. But uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, we got a great guest tonight, uh, Jerry Pauly. He, he has he he and his wife host his own their own show, and it's called Hillbilly Horror Stories. And I'm going to let him tell you about that, and then how they got the name and 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 tell us some stories you know because he this gentleman knows a lot of ghost stories not only from the now you know not only from the south but from around the world as well so we're going to talk to jerry about that and i think and i believe he he lived in a haunted house or if he still lives in a haunted house but he he also has resided in in, in a haunted building so i'm curious to hear about that anyway without further ado let's get this show on the road guys Hi, Jerry. There's the other Jerry. Jerry from my team, Jerry Baser. (laughs) It's going to be a tongue twister tonight. All right, here we go. Hi. Hey, Charlotte. Thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to have you on. I've been listening to your podcast.
1: Well, I'm glad somebody has. I knew there was somebody. That must be you then.
0: (laughs) It's me. I'm the one. I'm the one. Tell me about you and tell me how you got, you got into doing all this stuff.
1: Well, the long and short of it is that I used to be a stand-up comedian. I did that for roughly 15 years. And, you know, I I had got tired of being on the road uh, as a road comic. And I thought, you know, it would be cool to just kind of do this part-time. And that's what Mm -hmm. I did. I got a regular job. And I did uh, stand-up comedy part-time and set up my own show. So I would go out to, like, bars and nightclubs and say, hey, uh, let me bring the comedy show to you. I'll sell my own tickets and you get a free show out of it. You get you know, spectators out of it, people spending money at the bar. So I did that. After about five years of doing that, though, it got kind of tedious. It's, it's hard when you have to not only be the performer, but set up the show, sell the tickets, promote the show uh, on top of, of trying to go to all these different bars and restaurants and seeing if they're even mm-hmm. interested to begin with. So I would kind of always tell myself, you know, I'm kind of, I'm done with comedy. I'm, I'm out. And then after about two months, you know, if you're an entertainer of any kind, don't let anybody lie to you. They entertain for one reason. They have an ego and they like that feedback from a crowd. (laughs) And so as after a couple of months of not doing any shows, I would really get Jones in for, man, I'd really like to get on stage again. Uh-huh. And I would get sucked back into doing comedy. And, and what it would boil down to is I would love the 30 minutes I was on stage and hate every other aspect of it. So uh, I'm I'm working my day job. I'm still doing comedy at night. And I start listening on these long drives I had for work to podcasts. I had never listened to podcasts. This is about five, a little over five and a half years ago. Huh. And I, I start You know listening to some paranormal podcasts which i've been fascinated with my entire life like you said i grew up in a haunted house and we'll obviously talk about that sure but i i I start listening to some of the big podcasts out there lore lore was one of the first ones i listened to uh the unexplained with richard mcclain smith now those two shows are really common and but they're they're similar to each other in the fact that it's one host telling you a scripted story Mm -hmm. now I don't really think that I've got the ability to do that. I got a little more of it now than I did back then, but I felt like I needed to have a little more of a conversation type podcast. And I found one called real ghost stories online with uh, Tony and Jenny Brewski. They were a husband and wife Uh and they threw a little comedy in while they told their stories. They actually would take listeners stories and have the listener tell them, or they would read the listener story and then they would discuss it, but they were funny. And I thought, Hey, I think I can do that. So this was my way to do something, to be creative, still get an audience, but not have to do the comedy thing, not okay. the traditional stand-up. And uh, so I immediately, after deciding I was going to do it, because I'm very uh, spontaneous, uh-huh. but uh, after immediately deciding I was going to do it, I ordered all the wrong equipment, <laughs> not knowing anything <laughs> about it. I just ordered stuff, but it was wrong. And I had a buddy of mine that I worked with that uh, we used to have conversations about the paranormal all the time. And I Mm -hmm. approached him and I said, Hey, you know, I think these conversations we have, I think people would enjoy hearing it. What if we, if I start a podcast, are you interested? And he said, yes. So I get all the equipment and we get set up and uh, literally within three weeks of uh, me deciding I wanted to do this, we had all the equipment and recording our first episode. Nice. And that was, uh, that was the gist of it. But you know, his name was Ricky, a uh, great guy. He was not as uh, comfortable behind a mic as what I had hoped he would be. Right. And, uh, and, you know, in our show, when I originally started out, I thought, well, nobody wants to hear more than 20 minutes. Uh-huh. That's kind of, everybody has a short attention span. Let's do 20 minute episodes. And uh, that's what we'll do. And sure. we started doing that. And the first thing people started wanting was longer episodes, but my approach with Ricky was a more, uh, it was an adult comedy style podcast. So yeah, we talked uh-huh. about uh, paranormal topics, but you know, we threw a lot of, of laughing and joking and uh, and cursing and everything else like that in there. And uh, uh-huh. what would soon become a mentor of mine, Diane's student from History Goes Bump. Uh-huh. She said, you know, I listened to your podcast. It's all right, but it sounds like two guys talking in a bar. And and initially I'm like great. That's what we were going for. And right. she's like, no, not great because you really limit yourself when you do that as to your audience. Now you got to know that when I was doing comedy, that was the style of comedy I did. Right. I, mean, I grew right. up with you were used to. I it. grew up. <laughs> yeah, I grew up with Eddie Murphy and Andrew Dice Clay and right. Richard Pryor. That was the kind of comedy that I liked doing. And uh, but but even then, I knew you couldn't get corporate gigs or anything like that doing comedy because you had to Mm -hmm. be clean to get corporate gigs. So I I knew exactly what she was talking about. It made sense. Mm -hmm. And uh, a funny thing happened that changed everything. We recorded eight episodes together Mm -hmm. and uh, I'm kind of a control freak. If you ever knew me, that's I've been Mm -hmm. uh, very successful most of my life in all the businesses that I've been in just because I try to outwork everybody. I like to have control and I'm not gonna lie about that.
0: Like, and hey, so, I'm one of those people too. I know. <laughs> I know. So,
1: so I've got Ricky and, and Ricky wasn't as much into it as I was. I don't half ass mm-hmm. anything. And as soon as I'm doing something, I'm going full fledged into the the uh, research and everything. And Ricky, it was more like, Hey, I thought this was just going to be a fun hobby type thing we were doing. I'm like, yeah, but it, even at a fun hobby thing, you know, if right. I go play play basketball with a horse with a six year old, I want to win that game against a six-year-old. I don't care that he's six. That's my mentality. And so we, we we do the first eight episodes. On the ninth episode, I'm actually traveling out of town with my wife. And Ricky calls and says he can't make it that night. Well, my wife originally wanted to be the host of the show. But she oh. doesn't have an interest in the paranormal. So you could see that might be a little bit of a, a problem. Yeah, yep. And... So I told her, I said, "Well, Ricky can't come over tonight, so I guess you're in for tonight." And she's like, "Well, I don't, I don't know what the topic is." Now we were having to do an, uh, an episode called "Rock and Roll and the Occult," to where I was going to talk about the lyrics to "Hotel California" and what they really mean, and uh, and I'll get into that for anybody who may not know. And sure. uh, we were going to cover a couple other things, music related. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Well, I don't know anything about the topic tonight." And I'm like, "You don't have to." I'll tell you the story and you just respond. I'll get your honest opinions and you don't, you don't know what you're going to hear. Well, she did that and our listeners absolutely loved it. Well, Ricky heard it and he absolutely loved it. And he said, you know what? Honestly, she's a better fit. I think you and her should do the show. And I'm like, no, she was a fill in. It's your, it's your and I show it's our, it's our show. Right. And uh, so we did two more episodes together And then Ricky just had so much going on in life. He had five kids and working and working and and his wife didn't drive and he had to drive her wherever she needed to for work. And Uh he said, look, I think it's just better. uh, Just take her. And starting with episode 12, she uh, has been the full time host and we've kept that mentality. We have changed it to more of a family show and uh, she never knows what the topic is that we're doing. So you always get her honest response. And it's just really, it's really been our secret to success. We just hit uh, 12 million downloads.
0: Awesome. So that's where I want to get to. I'm working hard to get there, boy. Working real hard. People don't realize how much work goes into doing a podcast like this, you know, because you got the research, you're looking for guests, you're just, you know, you got all that going on.
1: We started doing this five and a half years ago. And finally, two years ago, I'd be two years in February, uh, it's been a full-time gig for us but I literally spend 50 to 60 hours a week on the podcast. So I'll have people say, uh, Oh man, you, you get to work full time and all you gotta do is talk uh, a couple of hours a week. <laughs> yeah. I wish that's all it was, but yeah, it's like it was just like comedy. There was so much, you know, I used to hear that all the time. Oh yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, you only to get up and do that for 30 minutes. And I'm like, yeah, you don't, you miss all the hours that go into the promoting it and getting the <laughs> comics together and making sure that they're coming. And you know, yeah. it's, it's so much more involved than what people realize on the surface.
0: Oh, it is. It is. Tell me about li- living in a haunted house.
1: Well, when I was about 13 years old, my mm-hmm. family moved out uh, to us the suburbs. We had lived in the city of, of Louisville, and we lived uh, really close to downtown. So we were only used to, to uh, houses right next to each other and traffic and all that. So we move out to a suburb. So it was a little more country type setting, even though the houses were still kind of close together. They were, you know, three times farther apart than we were used to. Uh So we get in the house and the first year we were there, nothing happened, but I think all this ties in together. And I I wrote a book and that actually explains all this in, in a lot more detail than I'll probably get into tonight. But my mother was extremely close to her grandfather and grandmother uh-huh. uh, because they're the ones who primarily raised her. And my grandfather had gotten cancer. Or it was actually my great grandfather, her grandfather, he had gotten cancer and he passed away a, about a year after we had moved into the house. And this really affected my mom in a negative way. She became very depressed You got to know that my mother up to this time, she was a very spontaneous young lady who would, uh, just on on a whim, we would just pick up and drive an hour, hour and a half away to uh, mammoth cave national park and just have fun down there and visit the caves and all that. Mm -hmm. We had some family down there and she would sing in the car all the time. She was a happy person. Once this happened, her whole mood completely changed and it wasn't something that, uh, it wasn't something that, that was going to go away anytime soon, because as a matter of fact, it never went away. Huh. So during during this time, right after he passed away, within the first couple of weeks, we were sitting in the living room of, of the house, and she was on a prayer line to the 700 Club. And uh, it's a television show. It's a religious television show. And they had a phone number that you could call. She calls this number. I'm sitting beside her in a, in a chair doing some art. And as she's on the line in front of us, about 10 feet away was a console television. And there was a little chair that sat on top of the, uh, the television. It was like a little model chair that was used as a pin cushion. And this thing had a bottle of Elmer's glue on it and some metal house numbers that were uh, from the outside of the house. Cause we just got to doing some painting out there and we hadn't put them up yet. So I'm telling you that because, uh, so you'll know that it's kind of weighted down, but as yeah. she's on this prayer line, this chair pops up in the air
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it lands about three feet away from where the the uh, uh, television was. So it didn't just fall off and land right. on the floor. It went up in the air at least two feet and landed, you know, four or five feet away. We both just looked at each other like, did you just see that? And we didn't have to say anything. We both knew we saw that. So oh. she tells the prayer line, I need to go. And she hangs up. Then a little while later, I go to bed, it's probably 11 o'clock. She comes into my room and she asked me if I could come in the living room and and sit with her because she's hearing some noises in our attic. Mm -hmm. Now, our our attic is not really used for storage. There was a couple of boxes up there, but it wouldn't set up to walk around. It's just insulation up there. And then you got the little rafters that go around, so you could walk around that if you needed to or set some boxes Mm -hmm. on there. And uh, so, so we knew there wouldn't be anything up there to make noises, a couple boxes. So I go in there and sit with her for 10 minutes or so and never heard a noise. So I go back to bed. The next evening at roughly the same time, she comes in there and she wakes me up. Same situation. So I go in there and sit with her. But this time, pretty much as soon as I walk into the living room, I start hearing the noise that she's hearing now, what this sounded like if you've ever had like a heavy piece of wooden furniture, like a dresser mm-hmm. on a wooden floor and you scoot it, it makes a certain sound that you, right. there's no mistaken. It's wood on wood and it's a, it's a horrible sound. Right. That's what we hear. And it's obvious there is nothing of oh. any substantial weight in this attic that could be making that noise. And It went on for a while and it stopped after about 15, 20 minutes, it stops. Mm -hmm. So we go to bed the next morning. I went up in the attic. Sure. Wasn't going up there. Then that wasn't happening, (laughs) but I got up the next morning and I went up into the attic and looked around. And as I remembered, there was only a couple of boxes and nothing that would have scooted and made that noise. So that was the very first incident that we ever had in the house. And these things would continue off and on for about five years. Uh, the biggest thing that I can remember, as far as being a, a constant, is I could hear three voices that sounded uh, as if they were more like whispers, but they were distinct three different voices two male, one female. I could hear that coming through the ductwork, the furnace ductwork in my bedroom. This happens so much to the point that. I could I could literally distinguish each voice. I could just never really understand what was being said. I could just tell it was some type of a conversation. Now, with that being said, it freaked me out being a you know, 13, 14-year-old kid. Right. So I decided that I started working little odd jobs, babysitting, cutting grass, and I used that money to go to Kmart and buy a stereo that I set next to my bed. And when I say next to, I mean next to, like, if I rolled over, I would bump my arm on it because I wanted to be able to have access to turn that thing on. Anytime I started hearing something that was freaky in the house. Sure. And that's kind of, kind of what I would do now, eventually. As you get used to stuff like that and trust me, you might not think you would, but you get used to it. I can remember one time I, I was in a bad mood. I come in the room. I started hearing those things and I just instinctively said, stop, stop. I need you to stop when I tell you to stop. And they did. And it's almost like we had an understanding. I mean, there were times to where I would hear stuff and it just didn't bother me. I didn't care. And they were, they were fine to keep making whatever noise they wanted to. But when I didn't want to hear it, if I said stop, it would always stop. So it's like I said, you do kind of get used to stuff. Right. Uh, another thing that happened that was kind of cool in the house, uh, it wasn't cool at the time, but it's it's cool now. Uh, our house, every room kind of led to the other room. And it might not, it might not mm-hmm. make ex- much sense, but what I'm telling you is, is, there was a living room and then there was a hallway and all the other rooms past the living room made a circle. So you went into, if you took a left or, or a right, I should say, you went into my sister's room, but then there was another door on the other side of a room that led to my room and then mm-hmm. another door on the other side of my room that led to another room so you can you could go through all those rooms in the house but you had to go through each door okay now my sister's room and my room those doors stayed open all the time so we we basically had like a you know two hotel rooms with a door the door staying open so adjoining mm-hmm. rooms that stayed open until one time in the middle of the summer everybody was out in the swimming pool we had except me. I was watching TV. I went to walk through there and in between my sister's room and my room in the doorway was three or four stuffed animals. Now up against the wall close to that door was a toy box. I picked Mm -hmm. these stuffed animals up. I put them in the toy box. I go out to the pool. I come back in the house and they're right back in the floor again. Mm -hmm. So from that point in time, I closed that door and that old console TV I was telling you about that we had in the living room that that thing popped off. That was now my console TV. They had given me that when they got a new one. And I put that in front of that door. And for the length of time that I lived in that house, that door never got opened again.
0: I can understand why. Yeah. So it's kind of freaky. Did you guys ever figure out? Okay, go ahead.
1: That's all I said. Yeah. Yeah. And let me get, let me tell you the scariest thing that ever happened. Then I'll tell you what we semi found out. Sure, I say okay. Awesome. This is this is maybe one of the freakiest things I've ever experienced when it comes to the house. One day it was my freshman year of high school, and I remember it like it was yesterday because it was. The, I went to a school called Saint X High School in Louisville, and they have a rival there named Trinity High School. It's two Catholic football powerhouses. And Mm -hmm. uh, the 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 rivalry is actually nationally known. They will get twenty five thousand fans at this high school football game when they play every year. I was going to Saint X my freshman year, and it was the day of the Saint X Trinity game, so I was wired. It's about six o'clock in the morning. I'm wide awake, getting ready, you know, getting ready to get out of bed and get ready for school. Right. And as I'm laying, as I'm laying there in bed, right by where my head is resting, there was a window. There's no wind. I don't hear anything like that. Weather is fine. It's not supposed to be any kind of rain or anything like that. Uh And as I'm laying there, I start hearing tap on the window. Tap. Tap. Almost as if you would take in like a, I don't know, like an ink pen
0: Uh and
1: tapped it on a glass. Very distinct sound.
0: That can't be good.
1: No, but (laughs) I'm hearing that and I'm not thinking anything of it. So, you know, I went to the old trusty. I turned on the stereo and I started listening to my favorite morning show. That was, uh, that I listened to every day when I got ready for work. And it was a, you know, comedy show. So it it worked out good. You get your mind off stuff. But then I started hearing something I'd never heard before. And I, I described this and always have. It sounded like the best that I could imagine that a sick cow would sound. And I'm going to purposely try to imitate this. And I actually do a pretty good job of it. It sounded like. So not only am I hearing a tapping, I hear that Mm -hmm. moo sound. Now I'm trying to be logical. I'm thinking we do semi live in a rural area. Right. It's not farms and stuff, but there are people, there was a guy that had chickens down the road and all this. We lived kind of on a dead-end street. It took Mm -hmm. a curve at our house and then it dead-ended about eight houses down. And I'm thinking, well, so-and-so's got a horse down there. Maybe their horse got out. And as I'm hearing this, this, it starts getting, these moves get closer together. And then it turns into and then slam! Something smacks that window as hard as if as if somebody had thrown a rock up against it. And I jumped out of bed, ran into the living room, and I sat there till it was daylight. I was late getting dressed for school because I was afraid to go back in there. Right. And I have, n- that that point of my life, I was, you know, 14 years old. At that point in my life, it was the most scared that I had ever been. Wow. And uh, I, I have no clue what that is. To this day, right. I we went, out, I went outside and looked. There was nothing out there that could have made that noise. Nothing that could have been tapping on that window. I have no clue what it was. Now, to answer your question, about five years in, one of the other things, by the way, that we did start hearing was a baby crying that okay. came out of the blue. And we would hear that on a regular basis. So what happens is my mom eventually decides that she needed to try to get help. She brought the priest in for, from up the road from St. Jerome mm-hmm. to come in and uh, do some blessings and stuff like that. It it did no good whatsoever. Uh, actually, I, I kind of think the priest half heartedly even, you know, believed anything, right? And uh, he he just did his quick blessing and called it a day. But my mom decided that she was needed to call around some places, and she ended up I don't know exactly how, but she found a paranormal group at the University of Louisville, and they set up a time and came out. As they're out at the house, they went into my sister's bedroom, which was kind of odd because there really hadn't been a whole lot happening in her bedroom. There was stuff oh. more in the uh, uh, my back bedroom and uh, the room that was next to mine. Uh, that's where most of the activity seemed to be coming from, other than the attic. And they're sitting in the floor. They bring out. I've never seen anything like this. they are They're doing kind of like a little mini seance, but mm-hmm. it wasn't like anything I'd ever seen on TV or anything at that point they actually had a candle that they set down. Uh, it it was a a long stem candle and they had, they had it sitting on a candle holder and we all sat down on the floor, uh, with our legs crossed kind of native American style. And then we all held hands basically. And that was it. That was it. I mean, they had a a, a young lady that was, I guess, a medium and, Uh but she was whispering and we couldn't really tell what she was saying. And, you know, and it was like, when it was all said and done, they all had answers, but they weren't talking to each other. So it really didn't make sense. And they didn't use a spirit board or anything like that. And what they had said, now keep in mind, they didn't want to know anything about the house. So they knew no firsthand knowledge of anything we were experiencing. But what they said is, uh, it went the land back during the pioneer days, not the house, but the land, there was a, a young woman who became pregnant out of wedlock and her father threw a fit after the baby was born, he killed his daughter and the baby,
0: wow.
1: which could have explained the, the baby noises. Right. Uh, and he said they were buried at the back of the house. And that's and right where the two rooms where we were having the problems. So I don't know uh, how much of that was true. Right. But but there were two men and a female involved. And I, the voices I always heard were two men and a female. Uh, it was back there where supposedly they were buried. You had the baby sound that we were hearing. So I don't know. But that's what they say. Uh, but shortly shortly after that, everything just kind of stopped. Now, my, my dad still lives there. This was back in 1981 when he bought the house. Right. But uh, they still live there. Matter of fact, I was there earlier today. Uh, they're about an hour and fifteen minutes away from me now, but they—they, uh, they, my sister says she still hears some things in there. And my uh, nieces live uh-huh. there. My great nieces, matter of fact, and there's things that they say. Uh, my mother passed away back in uh, 2005,
0: uh-huh.
1: and they—they uh, they think that they that she talks to my mother. So
0: maybe, yeah, maybe she does. Maybe that's why it's, I mean, I know it calmed down after you found out what was going on, but, you know, you think if, if your mother's hanging around, it's going to calm down even more.
1: Yeah, possibly so. But there was a gap of probably, I mean, because we're looking at eighty six, eighty seven when that stopped and my mother passed uh-huh. away roughly, you know, almost 20 years later. Yeah. Uh, or yeah. 10 years later, I should say. So there was a stretch in there where there was basically nothing. And then, you know, but here's my theory on this. Okay. I told you my great grandfather passed away, which put her in a deep set of depression. Right. This went on and on and on. Uh, and one of two things her and her grandmother passed away four months after that. So she lost both of them within four months. And uh, I looking back, I think that maybe the energy that was stirred up from her depression either invited something in
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's what the problem was or it was poltergeist activity that was caused that she was causing
0: that's from everything too.
1: that she was going through and, and I never never realized that until really until the last three or four years after doing so many stories on this show and seeing similar situations mm-hmm. I'm like, man that sounds familiar
0: that could be a possibility. Definitely.
1: So, but that's, that's, uh, that's my life in a haunted house. And now the house we're in now in Lexington, uh, I've got some, some funny stories about that one. So we've lived here for six years (laughs) and uh, we're, we're actually renting here because when I first uh, I moved from Louisville to the Virgin islands and then to Lexington and we weren't sure we were going to be staying in Lexington. So we didn't bother buying a house. And still, still probably not. We're still probably going to move to Florida in the next year or so, but we're in this house and we're always hearing these noises upstairs. Plus we've got a closet in our, in our living room area for obviously to put coats and stuff in mm-hmm. and our dog would constantly go to that closet and just look at it and stare at it. And it was just really no rhyme or reason to it. Well, then a couple of years later, We had some work that had to be done on our plumbing. The hot water heater went out and the landlord sent somebody out that was actually a friend of hers. And she was the one that lived here for 14 years before we lived here. So as they come out, there was two of them. One of them had to run and grab a part and her friend is still at the house and he's talking to my wife. I actually wasn't at the house at the time. And he says, let me ask you a strange question. He said, you ever noticed anything weird or hear any strange noises in the house? And, and my wife, Tracy says, as a matter of fact, we do hear stuff. And he said, well, he said, let me tell you a little story. He said, uh, we would sit in that kitchen and play cards uh-huh. and, and where our dining room is, uh, is where the, uh, the table is, you can actually sit at that dining room table and see that closet. And he said, my daughter would walk over to that closet and just start talking to somebody. Now we didn't tell him anything about the closet or the dog barking there or any of that stuff there. He says she would just go over there and just start talking to somebody in that closet. And I said, yeah, that's, or she, or my wife said, that's, that's pretty strange. And she told him the situation. He said, let me tell you the weirdest thing to happen. He said, they went out of town and they had a couple of dogs here. So I agreed to come over here and take care of the dogs. He said, so I come over one time and I hear something upstairs. And he says, this was something loud. Somebody's walking around, almost like somebody's jumping upstairs. He said, I grabbed a bat out of the garage. He said, I walk upstairs and I'm hearing noises the whole time I'm walking up the steps. And he said, then when I get to the steps, up to the top of the steps, everything just stops. He said, I checked every room. I even checked underneath the beds. There was absolutely nothing up there. He said, but that's the kind of stuff that would happen on a regular basis here. So I don't know. Is our house haunted? We've we've had a few things, a few TVs turned on. We had, we one time we used to record in our bedroom before we got the studio here all together. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can remember one time we were in there recording and we're facing each other at the table because we looked at each other when we recorded and the TV behind us just turned on randomly. <laughs> and I remember it's it's still, we left that part in the episode. We we're like, what the hell? Who turned the, who turned the TV on? And the remote was behind us and there was no animals that could have turned it on Our dog or nothing didn't jump up there. So, I don't know there's definitely some stuff that happens here we hear a lot of noises upstairs when we're downstairs
0: that's incredible this house i live in right now is active as well and it's funny because i'm surprised with the studio like it is and the mics that i have that when i'm on the air people don't hear voices because i know when we're testing out our paranormal equipment you know video cameras and stuff in the hallways we always pick up a voice or two so it's funny because yeah. Our
1: dog Ninja, he's a little Maltese, but he snores like a great Dane and he stays in the room when we're recording, like he's not up here now because if I'm by myself, but if we're both here, he's in the room and he snores like crazy. And I can't tell you how many times somebody is, <laughs> Hey, at this uh, three minute mark, I think I heard an EVP. No, nope, yeah. just a dog snoring. <laughs> it's always, it's always the dog snoring.
0: I had that too with another dog that I had for quite a while And she, she would always be under the table and people would be like, I hear someone breathing heavy. No, it's the dog. It's the dog. You know, dogs are funny. So, um, you started your show and you call it hillbilly horror stories. And how did you come up with that name?
1: You know, I wish I had this fantastic story to tell you about all this stuff, but the reality of it was, I knew I wanted to do stories from the South. That was the initial premise was we're going to do stories from the South. Uh-huh. So I thought, okay, let's work on the ghost part of it. Do I want to call it ghost something? Do I want to call it horror something? Do I want to call it scary something? What would be catchy? And I thought, you know, let's go with horror. I like that. So I'm I'm big on alliteration. So uh-huh. I said, you know, what am I going to put in front of it? Because when I know I'm going to call it horror stories. The stories was a given. Right. I knew I was using stories no matter what. So what kind of horror stories are we going to do? Well, we're from the South and I like alliteration. So how about Hillbilly Horror Stories? It's got a good ring to it. It literally took me five minutes to come up and wasn't any real rhyme or reason other than what I just told you was literally the whole process.
0: Well, that's so, cool. It's catchy. It's very catchy. Now, when you talk about stories from the South, what what, what types of stories have you heard or experienced? Well, my
1: main thing was... Uh, we were want to do your, your typical well-known haunted places, like not so much folklore as much as like the Myrtles plantation or haunted sure. locations, like the Ree mansion in uh, uh, new Orleans or uh, the St. Augustine lighthouse. That's more what I was thinking. Uh, and, and like I said, we did probably the first nine episodes were probably t- pretty true that we did Waverly Hills in Louisville. We did Bobby Mackey's, uh, which is also Kentucky. I'm, I'm literally smack dab in the middle of both of those. I can get to Waverly in an hour and 15 minutes and Bobby Mackey's in an hour. So two of the most haunted places in the world are right in my backyard. So that works out good. But um, we did those. But then as Tracy and I started getting there, we started having, we didn't think we were going to have listeners from all around the world. Right. And as we started getting listeners from Australia and England and Canada, they're like, hey, why don't you do some English stories? And we never really came out and said, Hey, we're just going to do all Southern ghost stories. So Uh it's like, well, I guess we really, we haven't really dug a hole to get out of yet. So we'll just do what we want to do. And we just started adding stories from all around the world. And that's the way we've kept it.
0: That's awesome. That's really awesome. Tell me about your experiences with, with Bobby Mackey's.
1: Bobby Mackey's is awesome. I, I have a good tradition with them because uh, just to tell you what a romantic I am, I set up a private ghost tour during a snowstorm on Valentine's Day for me and my wife. Huh. Uh, so that's the kind of stuff I like to do for Valentine's Day. But uh, we got to go on a two-hour tour there, like I said. There was uh, Bobby Mackey's. Let me tell you something that most people wouldn't realize. It's a haunted nightclub. Uh, on Fridays and Saturdays, they open up about 8, go to about 2 o'clock in the morning, and they have two, three, four hundred 400 people in there. It's packed. But that's the only two nights of the week they're open. And when they're not open, they don't have any heat or air conditioning going. So we go in there on February 14th in Kentucky. It was probably 25 degrees. There was a snowstorm coming in. It was us and two other people. And, uh, a young lady by the name of Wanda, if you ever watch a lot of the Bobby Mackey videos on the older ones, you'll see a dark haired lady, kind of older named Wanda. She passed away a couple of years ago from cancer, unfortunately, but she gave us our tour and she was kind of the mainstay there. And, uh, so we go, we're going through here. There's no, there's no lights on. Everything's flashlight Uh because, and it's freezing inside. So we had to wear our coats, but. There was one time when we walked past the uh the jukebox that it just started playing for a couple of seconds. It just flicked on, it played literally 15 seconds of a song and went back off. And that's that shouldn't happen ever. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it, it just randomly happened. And it, and by the way, that's right next to their mechanical bull and uh which is pretty cool. Their original mechanical bull they had came from Gillies and was in the movie Urban Cowboy. And nice. that was actually, they keep that one in the basement. Now they got a, a new one, but cool. in that corner where the, where the bull is, it's a corner. They have a lot of problems. And some people say it's because of ley lines or because of some kind of magnetism there. But mm-hmm. a lot of people have a tendency to get nauseous back in that corner. And we've had that problem, uh, not on that tour, but when we have some of our live events out there, we will have some people almost every time they get nauseous, including my wife, Tracy, but on this tour, we went down to the basement area, which is where Johanna's, uh, the legend of Johanna, she's the dancing girl that supposedly killed herself. Mm-hmm. And Bobby Mackey wrote a song called Johanna about the whole experience. It was his biggest hit, matter of fact. But down there is supposedly her dressing room. There's a bunch of stuff that happens down there. You smell some rose perfume. We smelt that. And it wasn't something that, like, they sprayed and planted. Hey, when we get down there, it's going to smell like roses because we sprayed this. Right. You, you didn't smell it at first. And then you'd catch a whiff of it, and then it wouldn't air. So that's kind of hard to duplicate. But also down there, we saw a shadow figure. And as the four of us are standing next to each other, it sounded like somebody tossed a coin, because you know how a coin sounds when it bounces off concrete a couple of times. But right. we were all standing looking at each other, so none of us did it. But that's what we had on our private tour. Now we do a a, a live event there every October, the Saturday before or the Sunday before Halloween. And so three years straight, we've done the show there. And we've had something happen every time. Twice we've had uh, people that showed, uh, people who attended get scratched and show us the scratches on both times on their back. And both times just happened to be in that corner I told you about that people get nauseous at. Mm -hmm. Uh, They take, they could take you upstairs and you could see Carl, the caretaker that uh, he was supposedly possessed. They did a, a, an exorcism on him inside the bar. Area really, and uh, yeah, there was a kitchen area that they did it now. It's just a little uh, extra kind of semi private room that you can, but I mean, it's still completely open up to the bar, but it's like a little bit away from the rest of the seating,
0: but uh-huh.
1: everybody can see that. But uh, I don't know, it's just a really cool place. We've, we've never been there without something happening.
0: Do you um, think in your experience, there have you ever felt anything uh, other than the, the scratch, you know, the, the reports of the people being scratched? Have you felt an oppressive or, or negative feeling in there, like like a lot of the people do?
1: I am the worst person in the world for that mm-hmm. because I don't pick up on anything. We've spent the night in a Sally house, I got absolutely nothing. I've spent the night in Waverly Hills, nothing. Uh, I can't tell you how many haunted hotels and rooms we've stayed at. I get nothing. I just mm-hmm. I'm the worst at picking up on this. I love it, but you know I don't pick up on any of this stuff for whatever reason.
0: I used to tell people on my team, yeah, you're sensitive like a rock, but that's okay. <laughs> Your day will come. You keep doing this long enough, and, and something will happen, and, and, and you're going to be like, wow, that's really cool. But then the debunker in you, you're going to be like, well, uh, maybe it didn't happen, but it will happen. Trust me.
1: <laughs> well, see, that's the whole thing. I have experiences, but right? I don't get – but but they're they're – they're not major breakout experiences for you. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm a true believer because I've had enough things happen that I know it happens, Mm
0: -hmm. but it's
1: like, if I go to a place like the Sally house that everybody else was experiencing stuff and I was getting nothing out of it, you know, we had a group out of Nebraska that was there the night that we stayed and they had done uh, some paranormal investigating with, with some, uh, a group earlier and -hmm. they were getting some growls and stuff from a closet and they were supposed to spend the night, too, and they refused to spend the night. And this is a very experienced team that's actually got documentaries out on Amazon. Wow. And and um, they refused to spend the night out there. Matter of fact, one of the, the young ladies that was there with them was on uh, uh, Ghost Hunters International for a couple of seasons. And, you know, so it's just like they knew what they were doing. But at the same time, they were like, yeah, we're not doing this. And yet I had no issues at all with sleeping there. I mean, I slept like a baby. <laughs>
0: What do you think is one of the most active places that you visited?
1: Waverly Hills. Okay. Uh, I see shadow figures on every time I've ever been there. And it's like they happen at will. They they, they can tell you if, you if you've ever been to Waverly Hills, they'll take you all up on the fourth floor. And they just do this on their regular tours. It's not even an investigation. Mm-hmm. They'll take you up on the fourth floor and there's no lights on or anything, but there's enough moonlight and stuff coming through. They will tell you to walk down this long corridor and hold your arms straight out to your side. Just hold it straight out, and everybody else watching can see shadow figures come towards the person. And it's it's almost to the point where you would think it's maybe an optical illusion, right? And I, but I don't think it is because sometimes it's one, sometimes it's several, and when you're in the midst out there, if you're the person holding your hands out, you don't see it. Uh-huh. But if you're back there looking, everybody sees it. So I've I've done that several times, and it it's never failed.
0: I'll have to get there one day. I, I haven't had a chance to get to out uh, to Waverly Hills, but I really want to go at some point. Yeah, it's, it's a fun place. Turn on my wish list. So tell me about um like like you say, people started coming to you with stories from different areas and around the world. How how did that start to happen? They just walk up to you and say, hey, I hear you have this podcast and, you know, I'd like to share my stories with you? No, it's email and the Facebook page that we
1: had set up because we had a Facebook page that's got, I don't know, almost 20,000 people on it and Mm -hmm. they're from around the world. So, you know, they would just start chiming in on social media, stuff like that, primarily email.
0: Okay. What do you think, you know, out out of all the stuff you've gotten via email, like from around the world what do you think has been the most intriguing um story that you've heard uh
1: tower of london was pretty good uh there's so much that went on there that place is just absolutely crawling with stuff i think my favorite from around the world is probably going to be ancient Rams Inn in mm-hmm. the united kingdom uh that one's just a really cool situation there was some you know the people that thing was built in like it's been inhabited as a bar for, since like the 1300s. I mean, when you think about that, I mean, that's incredible. And, you know, to know something that was just that old or, and to know the stuff that could have went on and they, there's been, you know, legends of a witch there, they're uh, being killed on the property. There's, you know, satanic rituals going on. They found uh, bones of children that they think were sacrifices all on the property and I don't know. That was just—it's just a fascinating story when you dig into all the details.
0: And my question about, like, you're getting back to the southern uh, part of the ghost stories, I, you've been out to Myrtles, correct? Yes, I have. Tell me a little bit about that, because you know, from what I understand, Chloe's very active.
1: You know, that's a, a Chloe's a funny story because something's active out there, and mm-hmm. you know. What, Chloe's got a famous picture. To where they took some, uh, they took some photographs for the insurance purposes. The insurance company said, "Hey, we need to take some some pictures and send it to us. And we we can't have any people in it or just pictures of the property." And they took this picture and sent it, and they they said, "Hey, this one's got a person in it. We can't use this one." And when they looked, it looks like a woman in the you know the bandana and all that stuff, mm-hmm. the the uh, head turban that Chloe wore but here's the problem with Chloe and I don't, let, let's talk about Chloe for a little bit before we get okay. into that part of it. Okay. So basically the story is, uh, I think his name was, I think it was Bradford, general Bradford, but he had the place His, uh, I think it's son and, and, uh, uh, or his daughter and his son-in-law ended up inheriting the place. Mm-hmm. And the story goes that they had slaves. One of the slaves that was in the house was Chloe she was very close to him, uh, to to the master, and she basically would kind of eavesdrop a lot because she was a mistress as well. But then he found another one of the slaves that he kind of liked being uh, being a mistress, and she thought, okay, this is going to be me being sent back to the fields, and that's a tough life in Louisiana working in the hot sun in the fields. Inside, mm-hmm. it was a good gig, right. and she started eavesdropping to try to find out, Hey, am I on my way out? Well, one day he walked out and he caught her eavesdropping and he cut her ear off to teach her a lesson. That's when she started wearing the turban, a green, I think it's a green turban that she pulled down over her ear to kind of cover that up.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Well, now she's in really bad, uh, uh, standing with the, with the owner of the, of the plantation. And she decides I need to do something to get back in good graces. Right. So she went out and got some poisonous plants, uh, oleander for that grew on the property. Now oleander would kill you if you had too much of it, but a little bit of it would just make you sick. Mm -hmm. So she took the oleander and she baked a cake for one of the kids' birthdays. And she put that in the cake thinking, okay, they'll eat this. They'll get a little bit sick. I'll nurse them back to health. And I'll be the hero back in good graces. The problem is uh, that depending on which version of the story you you hear, both of the girls, there was two daughters and a mother, all three of them died. Uh, A couple of the stories says that one of them died. The other two didn't. Long story short, somebody died according to the myth. Or I should say legend. But. When the the slaves caught wind of this, because the the, the, uh, owner of the plantation was out of town during this time, when the slaves Mm -hmm. caught wind of this, they were pretty pissed off that she had killed these kids. And they actually took her and hung her from an oak tree on the property and then tossed her body into the river. That's the legend. Right. Now, the facts of the matter are, and I hate to ruin a good story with facts. (laughs) The facts of the matter are, if you look back at the records, the records don't show that um, the plantation owners owned any slaves whatsoever. And there was definitely no Chloe listed. So there seems to be a lot of activity going on out there, but there's no proof that there ever really was a Chloe or any slaves at all uh, owned by that time. Matter of fact, I think what it was is, when the father had built the, the plantation, he had slaves. And when they took it over, they actually gave the uh, the freedom to all the slaves that were on the property. Okay. So it's kind of the exact opposite. So it depends on on, on what you want to believe. But there's definitely something that fits Chloe's description in that picture we talked about.
0: Right. Right.
1: But it, it's a cool place. It's a, it's a beautiful place if you ever get a chance to go out there and stay. They got little cabins out there that you can stay in, like little one-room cabins that that are set on the property just kind of rolled up out there and then you can stay inside the plantation as well
0: that's another place I want to get to I can. it's I got a haunted there.
1: it's got a haunted mirror too
0: oh yeah that yeah i heard that see did, did you get a chance to look at the mirror i mean a lot, a, lot of, a lot of these mirrors that they claim are haunted have that old thing going on you know after they get to a certain age they, they, they get imprints on them so were, were yep. you able to check the
1: mirror out yeah, we were uh, we were in the same room. They were actually telling us about the mirror and we probably stayed in that room for a good 10 minutes during the tour. Uh, we got to be probably within two, three feet of it. So yeah. they didn't have anything roped off to keep you from getting by it. And the, the story with that one though is they've replaced the glass several times and that same handprint that's on there just keeps showing up regardless of the fact.
0: Fascinating. Now you mentioned something at the beginning of the show that you were going to kind of talk about and now I can't. My brain's just not focusing.
1: Probably the uh, lyrics to Hotel California. Yes, that's it. All right. So Anton LaVey started the first church Uh, of Satan in California in an old hotel. So if you know that and you know the history of the Eagles, the Hotel California album, I know I'm going back to our younger crowd, but... Uh, The Uh album cover that you opened up, it was a double album. It shows the guys down at the bottom of the Eagles or down, standing down downstairs. And then there's like a mezzanine upstairs Mm -hmm. and it's really dark on the right hand side of the cover. You can look this up online Mm and see a picture of it, but barely visible is a picture of Anton LaVey up there like standing in in the background it's all like black and there's no other people up there and but it's almost like he's like blacked out like you can barely see him like uh, somebody looking at somebody in a dark room you can tell they're there but he's he's in there so let's talk about the lyrics um i don't have all the lyrics right in front of me obviously i wouldn't completely prepared but the if i remember correctly the first church of satan was actually started in 1969 and if you remember there's part of the uh, of the song that says um something about a uh, asked for my my wine and they said we haven't had that spirit here since 1969 it's a random year to just bring up but that's right. why they bring it up and when you start hearing things like uh uh you know where you can you can uh, check out but you can never leave and then comments like um uh, they uh, they gather for a big feast. They stab it with their steely knife, but they just can't kill the beast. Right. If you start listening to all the words and dissecting wow, yeah, now them, now that
0: you say that with Antoin that makes sense. Yeah,
1: yeah. When you start looking, if you start looking, but but it's you know, welcome to the Hotel California. Right. It's Hotel California because the first church was started in the hotel in California. So, it, but like I said, if you just listen to the words uh, straight out, if I had them right in front of me, we could go through a bunch of them and it'd be sure. like, "How oh, this all makes sense." But yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's all that. But yeah, it's it's a pretty cool, pretty cool story.
0: That is a cool story. I never even thought about that. Thank you for telling me that. Now I'm going to really take a. That's what you guys got to do is after we get off the air tonight, go get the lyrics and start start looking into that. That's really cool.
1: Yeah, I, 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 once you once you know that and you start analyzing it, you'll see. You'll see it makes sense.
0: What do you like? I mean, like you say, you you were a stand-up comedian and now you're doing this stuff. What do you like best about doing this stuff? What what offsets it from what you were doing before?
1: You mean aside from the comedy? Yeah. I think because I enjoy every aspect of it. Uh, Uh I mean, I enjoy doing the research. I enjoy doing the writing. I enjoy doing the editing because we do, we put out a show six days a week. And each one is almost completely different than the other. So one of the episodes that we do that comes out on Wednesdays, I call it Hillbilly Dead Time Stories. It's about, it's about an eight to 10 minute episode, but that's completely scripted. It's the kind of stuff at the beginning I said, I didn't think I could do. Right. And so I write the story out. It's usually a story that most people have not heard of. It's not going to be, you know, Waverly Hills story. It's going to be a story. You've just, it's just a smaller story. That's an eight minute story. Okay. And that's, that's one where I actually put some good, scary music behind parts of it. And, you know, it's got three, like in an eight minute video, I probably change music four or five times, depending on which section I'm on gets different music. So I have fun looking up the type of music I'm going to use for this episode of what fits this part and uh, doing the research and then actually writing that part. Cause that's actually scripted out. So it's almost like, right. you know, a little mini book or a mini chapter in a book. So that's completely different than anything we do um we do what we call hillbilly shorts on our patreon page and those are just basically sometimes we'll just read a little story but my wife and i just are able to just lay back and have fun with it you know Mm -hmm. we screw up and there's bloopers and we just leave it in and you know people enjoy getting to see that part of it which we're kind of laid back on our regular sunday night hillbilly horror story show as well but you know this is one where we can just cut back and maybe make some jokes we wouldn't normally make on the regular show or what have you. And just be silly. Sometimes we're just giddy when we start to record it anyway and it comes through and, and people like that, but we read some lists and stuff like the top 10 things found during autopsies or something like that. So, you know, it could be a little bit different, but I put one of those up on Tuesdays. It's like a Patreon preview. So if you're not a Patreon subscriber, it gives you a chance to see what's on there. And we'll pick one of the best ones we've done and, put that down there. So you get that on Tuesday, you get dead time stories on Wednesday on Thursday for the last, uh, five weeks or so I've been reading my book a couple of chapters at a time for people who maybe can't afford the book or haven't been able to buy it or something like that. Right. Uh, plus, plus I've been saying, I was going to do an audio version, uh, to begin with, and it's been a year and I still hadn't cause it's a lot of work. I'm not a uh-huh. good reader. So it, I, I, a 30 minute episode takes me an hour and a half to do. And, uh, so I, I've been doing that. And then when it's all done, I'll end up putting it all together as one, uh, one audio book to, to use, however, but that's what we've been doing on Thursday. Once we're through with that in a couple of weeks, I'm going to start doing uh, something called eerie encounters to where we're having people send us a crazy encounter. They had, it could be like a stalker type situation. It could be a uh-huh. medical emergency that they were part of. It could be paranormal. A UFO sighting, Bigfoot, whatever the case is. And we are I'm going to start reading those stories with a little soft, subtle music in the background that would be perfect for somebody to fall asleep to.
0: That'd so, be great. Uh,
1: and then Saturday we do a, a UFO episode. They call it UFO only. It's like a little short eight minute episode on UFO cases that you probably haven't heard of. All right. And uh, a Sunday is our regular show. And on Fridays we put out a uh, greatest hits because we've been doing this for five and a half years now. We've got, shoot, over 600 episodes out there sure. of, of various forms. So we'll take something, maybe episode 40 or 50, that people haven't heard yet, and we put it on as a uh a Hillbilly Horror Story classic. So that's kind of what we do throughout the week. It's uh, But it's nonstop on my end to write all these things and edit all of them and get them put up.
0: No, I can understand that because I... I admit I'm on the head bottle washer and, you know, with this thing too. So I get it. I get it. I mean, we're four days a week and I added an extra day on Sundays to just randomly read a book or two, you know, and stuff like that. So I get the, I, I do get it. Um, I'm impressed with, with what you guys do. Like I, like I said, I do listen to your, your podcast and um, I, I really like it. I like the topics and the way you go about doing stuff because it's different from what everybody else is doing.
1: I appreciate that. We we try to be a little bit different. I mean, it's, we try to keep it family friendly for the most part. If you go back to the old episodes, maybe the first 10, 12 with Tracy on there, there might be a, a word or two sleep through, sneak through that we were cautious to not use anymore because we know now how many kids listen to the show with their, with uh-huh. their parents. Uh-huh.
0: No, I understand. I understand that. I was just thinking about the first guy that did the show, too, with you. You know, for me to make the change, because I, I was on Blog Talk for the first 10 years, you know, doing shows. Mm-hmm. For me to make the change over to a video show, that was a huge transition for me.
1: No, oh, I could see that. It's, it's hard so it's, to get used to video. It's taken
0: a lot of adjustment to being on camera, because I was not a person that liked to be on camera. I liked to be behind the camera. So, uh, yeah, I could see, like, you know, maybe, maybe he was a little... Anxious about that? Who knows, you know. But you got a great partner. Your wife turned out to be a great co-host. So I mean, you're doing really well. It just takes a while to build all that up, and you guys have done that.
1: Yeah, and 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 we're lucky in the aspect that because uh, I I want to brag on ourselves a little bit on something. Go for it. 12, 1200 or twelve million downloads is is awesome. That's great. Don't don't take I'll, I'll never take away from that. But what mm-hmm. we're most proud of is. You know, we start off every show thinking our military and civil servants all over the world. And then we immediately go into uh, basically just letting people know that if they're struggling with any type of depression or any other type of mental uh, disorders, any kind of mental illness, that it's it's nothing to be ashamed of. Reach out for help if you need to. We're trying to help destroy that stigma uh, with mental health. Mm-hmm. And we've given out our, our phone numbers over the air to let anybody know you can call us, text us, whatever the deal is. And we probably get, I don't know, five, six, seven people a week that each of us talk to about whatever they're struggling with. And, you know, that's what we're most proud of. We're, we we have received and in the back of my book, probably 20 or 25 stories of people who have sent us messages saying, Hey, you guys have changed my life in some way. And, And we've had people say, You've kept me from committing suicide. I was going to, and something you said made me not do it. We've had people say, you know, I went out and got help, professional help, because you've convinced me that that was the right thing to do. We took our Facebook group, our Facebook page I told you about earlier. We put stuff about the show. All of our shows get listed on there, and there's just some funny stuff or scary uh-huh. stuff or paranormal facts, whatever, get listed on there but our group is 5,300 people strong. It's a completely wow. private group, but it is, we turned that in a couple of years ago. We turned it into a completely a support group. That group is there strictly for people, you know, who want to uh, be in a situation where they can ask for prayers or they can ask for help or they could just vent or talk about something that's going on. And you can't get into that group unless you agree to uh, to be a part of that, if, if you know, we ask you straight up. You're going to see people post that they need prayers and stuff. Are you okay with that? If not, or you know, we don't. Talk, it's a zero mm-hmm. tolerance policy. You know, if somebody criticizes somebody for saying that, well, why are you posting that in faith? They're gone. They're gone because that's not what that group's for. And we we made a promise to everybody in that group that they would protect their privacy, and that we would be there for the support, not to ridicule. And we have nine admins in that group to make sure we don't miss anything. And, and those admins are from all over the world, all over different time zones. So there's always somebody up to catch something.
0: That is absolutely fantastic. Jerry, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And well, I've I appreciate enjoyed, it too. I have enjoyed talking to you. I really have. It's fun to talk to a fellow podcaster, see what they're up to. But to hear the stories you have to tell about you know growing up in that in that house and and the Hotel California thing, absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it so much.
0: And I hope you have a great holiday. I'd love to have you on again in the future, you know, to talk more about what what you guys do and and like you say that the, the help you're doing on your Facebook page for people it's it's just wonderful. Just wonderful.
1: I got plenty of stories so you name the time. We'll make it happen.
0: Sounds good. All right, so you have a good one. And where can people get a hold of you? I mean, you've got a lot of pages, so let, let us know.
1: Easiest place, hillbillyhorrorstories.com. You can listen to the show. You can buy merch. You can find all of our social media. All that's there. You can buy the book if you want to buy it there, or you can buy the book on Amazon. But if you buy it on there, I sign all of it and send you out some other goodies like bookmarks and stickers and stuff like that. And it's basically the same price as buying it off Amazon. So,
0: And you have a Patreon too, right?
1: Yes, got a Patreon, but heck, we don't we won't we're happy with people just listening to the free stuff. If you like to Patreon down the road there that's good, but you know, we put out enough free content where you'll never have to go to Patreon if you if you're just not and completely jonesing for it.
0: Well, oh, I admire you because it is, a, you know, it is a lot of work to put a show together in 6 days a week or something. I well, really admire thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, Jerry, you have a good holiday. You too, Say Charlotte. hi to your wife for me and stuff. All right, sir, thank you. Bye. Have a good one. All right, that was a great show. I learned a lot from Jerry. I'm really excited. I was really excited to have him on. Like I said, I've been following his podcast for a while now. And uh, yeah, I I love the way they do things over there. Anyway, uh, thank you guys for coming tonight. I've got an announcement to make in that tomorrow's guest is a pre recording uh, because it just happened to be that way and the timing with the holidays and everything. Astrologer Susan Miller will be with us tomorrow and she is going to give us what she thinks is going to happen or what, or what the stars have told her are, is going to happen in t- in 2022. So it's, it's, it's a look to the future, you know, about what we're going to experience, you know, with this pandemic and everything else. So she's going to be on tomorrow at 6.30 PM, the usual time. I will not be on live. Um, I'm going to death. Di- I'm going to a Christmas dinner with someone. So it's kind of cool, but you guys can feel free to watch Susan Miller. I'll put, I'll put the links up and I may come on before the show. Like I did the other night to talk about, you know, what she and I discussed a little bit more, you know, and then just you guys can go go to YouTube and see that or off of Facebook. Uh, But again, I want to thank everybody for coming Uh, Sunday. I will be here again. uh, We will be reading from Mrs. Miracle. And I think we're going to be wrapping that book up on Sunday. And I want to ask you guys, you can leave, you can leave comments or whatever, but I'm seriously considering on our Sunday afternoons to continue the reading and I've decided that maybe we should read uh, true haunted ghost stories on that day or true stories of, 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 you know, ghosts and haunted locations. And I have one book in mind already that, that, that I want to read for you guys. So I think that's what we're going to start doing on the weekends like that. If you want to find this show, you can find it at www.californiahauntsradio.com, Or if you want to check out my paranormal group and see what they do, we're at www.californiahaunts.org. Now, uh, if you like the show, share it with five people. If you didn't like the show, share it with five of your enemies. We're equal opportunity here at California Haunts Radio. Um, also, YouTube, we're always looking for subscribers. So if, you, uh, if you're if you watching from YouTube tonight, hit that subscribe button because we're trying to keep these numbers and build them up and build them up and build them up. If you have trouble getting onto our YouTube, go, go visit our radio website at www.CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com. And the videos are all there. All the archives are there from the last year and a half. And you can get to YouTube from there and subscribe. So we've got everything. You can look back at all the guests we've had in the past and what, what we've got coming up. And there's some uh, new stories of about ghosts and, and UFOs on there and all that good stuff. Um, Let's see. What am I forgetting? Ah, yes. The, tra- the thing on the bottom. We are a nonprofit, non and uh, so all this comes out of my pocket, all this equipment and I really, you know, if you if you find in your heart to donate to keep us on the air and help us get more guests like Jerry, I'd appreciate it. Uh, you can uh, go to uh, paypal.me at California Haunts or if you have issues with PayPal, we do have a Venmo. Click, you know, uh, register into Venmo or just going to Venmo and type in California Haunts and you can donate from there. But like I said, we are a nonprofit, so this is my PBS moment where I want to keep these good shows coming to you on the air, and all that good stuff. So if you could find it in your heart to you donate, that would be great, because I have, you know, like I said, all the internet costs and all that stuff comes directly out of my pocket. So, and, and, and any help is is greatly appreciated. I want to thank you guys for coming. Oh, yes, I know what I forgot. Christmas Eve. I'm going to be here Christmas Eve. I don't know if I'm going to be here like in the evening or if I'm going to be here kind of early, but I will be here Christmas Eve because I want to do a couple special things for Christmas Eve. I want to read The Night Before Christmas, of course, but I also want to read uh, from, yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. And there's another poem that I really enjoy, and it's, it's about the Christmas cat. I heard it when I was a kid, and it really impressed me. So I want to share that with you guys as well. And if we have time, maybe I'll throw something else in there. We'll see. But it's not going to be a long thing because I know people are out with their families and they're cooking and getting ready for the next day, last-minute gift wrapping and last-minute gift shopping. But uh, if you have some time Christmas Eve, I'll go ahead and be posting it here within the next couple hours as to what time I'm going to do this. But I'm going to definitely do something Christmas Eve for the show, and again on Sunday, and then we'll be back on our schedule for our Monday guest, who is – I can't remember who going to be. See, I got all the stuff. just all the stuff in line. Anyway, I want to thank you guys for coming. I appreciate it. And I will see you like on the tape tomorrow, on the recording of uh, Susan Miller, the, the astrologer. And like I said, just remember that uh, I did talk to her about 2022 and, and what we can kind of expect from from the astrological point of view on it so that'll be tomorrow at 6 30 p.m i might be in on the chat we'll see it depends where i'm at because like i said a couple friends are taking me out to dinner tomorrow so i probably won't be here but take a look at the show it's going to be a good one okay i will see you and i'm going to go ahead and tag up jerry's book and jerry's website there you go hillbillyhorrorstories.com And the book is Hillbilly horror stories, demons, depression, and redemption. And like he said, you can either get that book on his website or you can go to Amazon.com and get the book. But I think like he said, if, if you get if if you buy it on his website, he'll even sign it for you. Okay, guys, I will see you on Christmas Eve for sure, but uh, I hope you enjoy the show tomorrow. I'll see you on Christmas Eve. Bye.